Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about offering management. And this is probably a term that you'll not hear very often. This is actually how IBM refers to their product management function. So they call product management offering management. And they went about this renaming process some time back. And you'll hear more about why they did this. Uh, but yes, it's for the most part product management with maybe a few differences. So today's discussion is going to be very helpful for anyone who is interested in working in tech and in product management. So let me very quickly introduce our guest. His name is Alex Bentley. And Alex is a product management leader and coach at IBM. He's been working in this function for more than 10 years now. So he has a lot of experience. And he also leads the associate offering manager program at IBM, where they bring in candidates and train them before they go on to do their projects at the company. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the discussion. Uh, just some very quick notes, housekeeping notes before I play the conversation for you. One, there are just a few issues in terms of audio in today's recording. So the you can completely understand what we're saying. But just FYI, at a few points here and there, there's some audio issue. Point number two, if you haven't subscribed to LED's newsletter, you should. Uh, it's a weekly newsletter where we share not just updates on the latest episodes, but we also share a lot of other resources. For example, sample cover letters and resumes, interesting things that we found online that we think can help you, uh, projects that you can do at startups and a number of other things. So do check it out. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com. All right, with that, let me now play the conversation with Alex Bentley. Enjoy. Alex. Hey, Sonali, good afternoon. And I learned two things uh, during the conversation there. One is that 10 years is a long time. Uh, <laughs> and, and second, that uh, my job is to convince people that product and offering management is a place to be. So it, uh, yeah. it should be pretty easy, actually, I think. We'll find out. <laughs> well, 10 years is a long time, don't you think? I do, yeah. Um, you know, especially in tech, right? The way that technology changes, uh, you know, so rapidly. Uh, things that were being utilized, uh, you know, ten years ago, uh, we don't even talk about it anymore. Yeah, um, and so definitely, it's a one of the things that's exciting about you know offering management and product management is you've got to be aware of those changes both within your own product lines, but also within your uh, career, and making sure that you know you're appropriately shifting and uh, changing roles uh, based on the way where you the way technology is changing. Right. Yeah. And actually that's a great point. And I would love to talk about this, about this later in the conversation that how have you yourself sort of changed, adapted to the mm -hmm. role and changed things as you've seen changes in the industry. But uh, before we dive into the role, could you give us a very quick summary about your background and what has led you into doing offering management at IBM? Yeah. You know, I got started uh, pretty early in my career looking at, uh, you know, product management, offering management. So I have a 
uh, chemical engineering degree from uh, Purdue University, which I have never used in a full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) I moved uh, immediately out into uh, the tech software world uh, right around the first uh, dot-com era um, in the uh, early 2000s. Um, And it was because I wanted to get into a a role that was more dynamic, more rapidly changing, uh, which is why I should have engineering in tech. Uh, and after spending uh, a few years in technical consulting and technical pre-sales, uh, I pivoted into a product management at uh, a few different startups here in, in Austin, Texas, where I'm based. Uh, and for me, it was shifting into a role where I was able to drive uh, a product. And at the time, my uh, uh, enthusiasm was really focused on the creation of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I worked at a small 20-person um, VC-funded startup. Um, that was focused on the automotive industry. Unfortunately, the automotive industry was crashing about the time I was in that company. So <laughs> right. uh, I have my failed startup experience on my resume, which is always good to have. Uh, but then pivoted through uh, a couple of other startups until actually uh, one got acquired by IBM. Mm. Um, and so that was a uh, you know a, a nice exit, so to speak. So I've got a successful one in yeah. my background as well. Yeah. Um, and, and go ahead. Yeah, I was just wondering, is that how you ended up at IBM then? It is. That's right. Um, and so, you know, I've been at IBM now for about seven years uh, and worked in a variety of uh, product line uh, leadership roles, leading uh, some of our open source technologies uh, and uh, some of our analytics technologies as well. Uh, my current position is kind of uh, unusual from a product management perspective or offering management um, in that I'm the head of the associate offering management program at IBM where we're actually bringing in our early professionals, both undergrads and MBAs, uh, into the offering management discipline. So it's a brief brief cycle for my, uh, yeah. my career. So it sounds like you got into product management because you were attracted to the idea of creating your own product and driving that creation process. And and it seems that you've sort of stuck to that function pretty much throughout your career. So my, my next question for you then is about offering management. So you, you joined IBM as a product manager. Now you're doing offering management. So is it just rename? What is offering management at IBM? <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, IBM has a great habit of renaming things and rebranding things. Uh, And it happened for two reasons at IBM. Historically at IBM, uh, the product management role uh, was mostly, was a little more project management and that you were really focused only on the releasing of the product. Uh, And that came from its heritage hardware background. But in addition, it was also more nominally focused on uh, the product creation process, right? Building something that you wanted to put in the hands of users that they were really excited about. And what we realized at IBM is it needs to be about more than that. Uh, it needs to be about actually building a business. Uh, and I think that's one of the big transformations that uh, product management uh, in the tech industry has, has started to go through, which is the folks in the product management slash offering management roles are really looked at people that are creating businesses versus folks that are just creating experiences, uh, you know, for the users of their product. Hmm. And, and that's why we made that pivot at IBM because we wanted to reinforce the concept of owning or thinking like the general manager uh, of the business of your product. Right. So can you maybe share an example of 
something that a product manager might do or an offering manager might do but uh, but a project but a project manager might not yeah and, and you're exactly right you know the definition of an offering manager at IBM is is reasonably consistent with the definition of a product manager outside of IBM um, a project manager is focused more on are the trains running on time right did we uh, they would often sit in product development meetings um, and get it and get status from sales or development uh, or quality or the documentation team and say we originally had this schedule in place uh, three months ago uh, are we on track to release this product on time um, whereas you know in another step up from that a product manager who's focused only on the product experience and the creation process would be saying, well, who are the users that I have? What are the experiences or capabilities that they need uh, you know, to be successful mm-hmm. in this experience? So one example uh, you know, for me was uh, on the, I worked for a company that got acquired. Uh, Initiate was the name of the company. And we had a product called Initiate Inspector that was focused on um, data stewards within the healthcare space. So if you walk into a a hospital um, to get treatment, your your record, you you give them your information um, when you register, right? So in my case, it might be Alex Bentley at a 11617 Georgian Oaks Drive in Austin, Texas, 78739. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I go for a follow-up to a different location, uh, and maybe uh, maybe I give them that time my name is Alexander. Uh-huh. And maybe the person who's typing in my information types in a uh, my social security number wrong. Uh-huh. Right now, suddenly my ability to link those records together becomes uh, a problem within the uh, within that hospital network. Right. And you can you know multiply that by ten and multiply that when you walk into a bank or into you know really any business. And so we had a technology that was focused on allowing those particular records to be linked together both algorithmically but also to allow a, a individual data steward as the user to go in and make that change yeah. um, and so a product manager probably would be focused on that experience right, right. Um, whereas when we expanded the definition to offering manager again just IBM's mm-hmm. words for the for the for the concept I'm also focused around well what is the probability that there's a business there? How many data stewards are there in the world? That kind of market analysis piece. Mm-hmm. How many sales guys do I need or gals do I need to go sell it? Right. Mm-hmm. What's the broader go-to-market strategy that I have in place? Um, yeah. So, thinking through all those things uh, are uh, kind of the kind of layering of roles between you know a project manager who makes sure that things are released on time, the product uh, owner or manager who's focused on a particular user experience. Versus, uh, you know, offering manager or you know, broad product manager that's focused on the business uh, and ensuring that there's a you know profit and loss that uh, is appropriate at the end. Right. Okay. That that's a very very helpful description, and it shows that how the product is just sort of one piece of your entire business, and this offering manager is thinking through the entire business where the product is enabling that broader business. Would you say offering management as a term? Do you hear this in any other companies? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is just at IBM, right? Okay. A, a, a very simple answer, right? And and I think you know sometimes we even talk about it externally as, as product management, uh, but as often happens when you have 
350,000 people um, all trying to get aligned around the same concept. Uh, rebranding, just like you would a company or a product, we sometimes do at IBM uh, around certain roles uh, such that there's uh, an awareness that things are changing. Uh, so that's kind of why the, uh, the role is named as it is. I see. And would you say, like, can you share examples of companies where you think product management is following this sort of broader, descript- broader description of being a business owner? Like from, from just from your experience, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple different kind of perspectives on that. I think uh, a lot of hardware companies follow this concept with the concept of a product line manager, uh, and that they're resp- they're looking at uh, you know the P and L of an overall product. Uh, for example, when I was working with automotive suppliers uh, in the, the startup I mentioned, they had individuals their their kind of task was to respond to a request from, say, Ford for a new um, engine. Mm -hmm. And as part of responding to that, they might have to decide whether they're going to manufacture components of that engine in their existing plant in Seoul, Korea, or build another one in the U.S. to meet the demand over the next five years. And so there's a significant amount of analysis that goes into those, uh, you know, kind of, Profit and loss questions around the business um, and sourcing as well. So that's kind of a, a you know a different scenario outside of tech. I think the reason that tech historically didn't have as broad of a perspective on this role is because it's pretty easy to create software. I don't need to make a you know build a twenty million dollar plant right. uh, to go build it. I just need maybe five engineers or you know maybe twenty or hundred on a very large product. Um, you know I think the other uh, thing I've seen is. Uh, a lot of companies that are very large, uh, we have product managers that are or offering managers that are working on individual components. Uh, you think about Spotify, where the first uh, concept of of um, guilds and tribes was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just one product there essentially, uh, but they have a a whole big component of teams that are focused on uh, a small piece of it. So, most of the places that I see this kind of offering model in place are actually smaller companies that are startups uh, because the product managers have to think through a lot more of the right. uh, broader business. Um, in most large organizations, uh, you know, I, I see a little bit less of that because there are so many people that are engaged in the process. Got it. Yeah. And I, I think from what I'm understanding is that I think definitely in the case of any hardware related company, especially if you own the entire product, then you might be thinking much more of the business just because of the investment involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if you're working in a, in a smaller company, then again, because you're the only one, you're thinking through many more things. But if you're working at a large organization and you own like, you know, hey, I own the news feed and something, you might not be thinking so much of a PNL. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? I think that's right. Um, you know, I think that's a little bit different um, in what we're the pivot we're trying to make uh, and the shift we're making at IBM as well around the role, and that we want the offer managers, even though, even though they may be part of a large organization, to really own um, not just the you know the profit and loss numbers, but the overall business model and the strategy hmm. uh, for the product space they're working within. Uh, because from an IBM perspective, uh, a lot of our clients. Uh, are now focused on new innovations, um, and so we're focused a lot more on organic growth with existing uh, with new products that we build, 
versus historically we've relied a lot on acquisitions. That's uh, kind of how I came into I IBM. See. I see. Yeah. Uh, and so that pivot in uh, the broader strategy at IBM uh, to where we're augmenting and investing a lot more in new product developments uh, in addition to continuing investments within some acquisitions uh, has caused us to respond organizationally by elevating this concept of a product or offering management role um, within the creation of that go-to-market strategy. So can you share examples of the kind of projects, I guess, that an offering manager would work on, or rather the kind of products? So if I join IBM as an offering manager, what would I work on? Yeah, there's a couple different ones that come to mind. So as part of the uh, associate offering management program that I uh, that I that I run, uh, we actually bring in projects directly into our training program, and so our associate offering managers go through about six weeks of of training on IBM's product portfolios, processes around offering management, and uh, get and then are given a project to work on for that period uh, that really drives a particular product forward. So a couple of them uh, come to mind. Uh, One is uh, we had uh, a couple of our associate offering managers work on a problem related to our storage portfolio. And here uh, they were looking at the broader market of our storage portfolio related to the healthcare genomics market. And as that market continues to grow and change, it's generating reams and reams of additional data uh, that now need to be managed as part of uh, the overall uh, analytics processes for the doctors and data scientists that are looking at uh, information from their tests and hypothesis. Uh, And so uh, these folks did a top-down analysis and a bottoms-up analysis around what that market looks like, uh, what our go-to-market strategy should be, uh, what the pricing and model uh, could potentially look like. Uh, as part of uh, trying to, to capture that market. And that's a big piece of what we see our offering managers focusing on, which is doing that upfront market analysis that uh, and parts of that go-to-market strategy. Right? I see. And then uh, are they also involved in the, in the execution, uh, in, in the actual building of the product? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So uh, another example on that front is there's a, a product manager who's come through the program uh, who's essentially driving a backlog within our uh, cloud infrastructure portfolio. Uh, and so one of the things we're working on within that portfolio is around how we're selling our compute capabilities to the broader market. And so that individual is working on uh, you know, day-to-day scrums uh, and a backlog with engineering to help understand, uh, you know, to translate what users want in that, in that technology uh, and in that offering uh, into you know, what what engineering should actually build. And we have some folks who kind of run across both of those uh, areas. And so one of our other uh, folks who have come to the program is now, a couple of them actually are focused on Watson conversations. Uh, and in that role, they actually have a foot in both those camps. Some of the things they're doing are related to go-to-market activities uh, around how we message uh, Watson conversations out to uh, a broader audience. And then a part of it's down in the details of engineering, right? 
So based on what you've described, I mean, these are very, very different activities, right? So then as the offering manager, is it that person who is responsible for really doing all of this or are they working a lot with other teams? So, you know, for example, in other companies, you might find a product manager teaming up with a product marketing manager to figure out that, okay, this is what the messaging is going to be. Or you might have a PR person on your team who's figuring out, okay, this is how we're going to engage with analysts. In in your case, is the offering manager doing it themselves or how, how does it work? Yeah, there's definitely collaboration there, right, to your point. Uh, and so when we go and brief uh, analysts from Gartner and Forrester as two examples, so there's normally a uh, analyst relations person who's helping, you know, coordinate that message. Um, uh, I think the, the, big, the big thing that I like about kind of offering management is you're engaged in all those activities. Uh, you're working with marketing on what the messaging should look like. You're working with development on what the uh, product should ultimately be and, and how we are on schedule. You're hearing from sales what clients need uh, from the conversations they had and talking to, with sales and clients about where uh, the product is going from a roadmap perspective. So it definitely you know, it definitely takes a village uh, to build a successful product. But as the, the offering manager, uh, you're definitely at the center of all that. And depending upon the particular product line, particular point in the release cycle, uh, you may be pulled in one direction or another based on what is uh, needed at, at the time. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So dip, and, you know, if you're closer to the launch time frame, then you might be doing a lot of marketing, messaging, and sales. Sale, like how to how to figure out how how to sell it. But if it's the beginning of the life cycle, you might be doing much more of figuring mm-hmm. out what to build. Uh, but I, I think the the point that you made in the beginning is a very important one, and it's in line, I think, with the product management in in more mature companies that. It's almost like you're the CEO of the product, right? So you're the one who's ultimately really thinking about how are we going to make the product successful as a business from beginning to end. And a lot of these things might be carried out by someone else in collaboration with you, but the, sort of the buck stops with you is, is what you're mm-hmm. saying. I think that's correct, right? Yeah. And if you look at some of the other things that are part of the role, again, it's kind of to your point. And I use the term think like the CEO of your business. Most folks regardless of your product management role or size of the company or product line, don't have you know hiring and firing responsibilities across the entire business, which is kind of what a GM would normally have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to think like one. And that may mean you need to think like, why is my digital funnel not converting users or a company to my website effectively? Well, now I've got to go work more closely with marketing. Um, why are my direct sales reps uh, not closing deals at the dollar amount that I think they should. Uh, they should be do- averaging, you know, fifty thousand uh, k per transaction versus you know twenty five. Right. Let me go understand what that looks like. Um, and so, in addition, just a couple examples. Right. So, in addition to the go to market or the internal facing uh, scenarios I talked about, uh, there's definitely a business side that's associated with uh, offering management, where you're understanding the revenue of the business uh, and working through. Uh, what that what those models should look like. Um, and there's a, a huge data side of it where you're actually analyzing information coming from different sources. Uh, and I think that's one thing that has, has changed significantly over the last few years where previously an offering manager, when we talked about analyzing data, it was mostly P&L data, right, and, and revenue data. Uh, whereas now, given uh, how we're able to track 
the usage of products um, and the digital funnels around how users are finding your products, uh, there's a, things like NPS scores, there's a much greater set of analytic information that is available or should be available if you're doing your, if you're building a product correctly, mm-hmm. to then analyze and understand how uh, to improve the, improve the product. Right, that makes sense. So, how how is the success of someone in this role measured? Are there certain KPIs that you're held against? Key performance indicators. Yeah, you know the thing that hasn't changed is revenue. Yeah. <laughs> is the yeah. uh, is a primary uh, motivator, right? The, the good news is, in most cases, it isn't the only one. Uh, but other things that uh, are used as part of evaluating product managers, offering managers, uh, one is the amount of uh, client activity you're having. You know, are you getting time in the market to help understand what users need, uh, what buyers want, uh, and how your product is aligning to both of those things? I see. You won't have, um, when you say revenue, it's not like you have quota, right? Correct, right? Normally, at the beginning of each year, and I think this is true of you know, any business, um, IBM or otherwise, there's a target that the company thinks that it can hit based on your product line. Uh, and whether you're running a, a SaaS portfolio uh, or an, an on-premise portfolio, um, with different, each of which would, could have dramatically different go-to-market strategies, well, the first one could be, I, I don't have a person um, who's traveling out to client sites to make sales. It's all online. The second one, you might have only direct clients mm-hmm. uh, going out. Uh, usually that revenue gets assigned at the beginning of the year and then divided across quarters. And yeah. your goal as an offering manager is to try to help that go-to-market organization direct uh, sales and digital sales or, or business partners if you're engaging with them as well, uh, hit the target that, sh- that you're focused on for your particular product. That makes sense. And if it's not a revenue generating product, then you might have other metrics like usage of the product or something else. Exactly. I think you know usage is another great example. And it's true of, of most of those early offerings I mentioned uh, at IBM. As you might expect, a lot of those big dollar products that have been in market for a while, uh, for example, the one I had that IBM acquired, um, you know, had a direct uh, revenue growth expectation uh, year over year. And we were uh, funding the business from a development perspective and from a sales and marketing perspective to, to drive that revenue. Right. Many of our new products uh, at IBM are treated more like startups where you're focused on uh, how many people are coming to the front page of uh, that particular product line, uh, how many folks are actually trying out that product, uh, how many folks are then you know, converting from trials to initial usage, and then how are they growing their usage over the course of uh, you know, the first weeks slash months they're working on a product. So the, the metrics around success can vary based on where the product is in its life cycle. Right. So you're very much, uh, basically, your your own success is very much tied to the success of the product that you're managing. Um, That's right. Yeah. So And I think, the, you know, I said one other thought, I think the within a large organization, a big piece of it as well is how your messaging blends with the broader organizational message. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when you're in a startup, uh you know, it's usually just the one product that you have. Uh, whereas at a company like IBM, where we have a broad portfolio, integrating your product into that broader message becomes key. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that is the reach. So from an IBM perspective, you know, we're in 180, 180 countries across the globe. Um, and so you're dealing with a lot more complexity in the go-to-market channel, but it allows you to have a reach 
that's unlike most organizations. And we want to take advantage of that as we bring products into the market. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, on, on a typical day, if you know, if I were to run into an offering manager on, mm-hmm. on, on a, someday, what would I find the offering manager doing? What kind of problems will I find you working on? Yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons I like offering management as well. It's uh, it's a diverse set of interactions. And you know, not surprisingly, like many folks you probably talk to every day is the same. So a couple of examples, right? One would be working with uh, engineering, right? Sitting in a meeting discussing uh, the backlog for a particular product uh, that you're focused on. That happened for me with with my when I was running our uh, Hadoop uh, product line that was leveraging both open source and IBM technologies. And so uh, every week I sit in with that group to understand what our backlog looked like and what the results of the delivery uh, of the work engineering had been doing over the last week were what actually resulted. And sometimes I would say, that's fantastic. That's exactly what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> yeah. Other times I would say, what did you guys think I said over the last week? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. so some of those, you know, conversations are, are where you want them to be. Um, another scenario with that same product line was uh, briefing analysts, right? So, uh, I w- would put together a pitch talking about what our product roadmap looked like, what our strategy was, what our client uh, capture was over the last uh, year or so, um, and kind of pitch to them uh, ultimately what uh, where we were headed at with uh, with the broader product line. Yeah, and you know what, what's really interesting about this role, I think, uh, is that it requires you to be someone who's very comfortable and very good at thinking very big picture, but also being highly detail oriented. So you, you should be able to talk to engineers about some like small detail in the product, but then you're also coming up with the overall vision and strategy of the product. And I think that that's probably like a rare combination. Would you, would you say that? I think that's true. It's both required and rare. It, and it's been a topic of conversation within the product management community for the last few years as the role has stretched in the way that I described earlier, uh, because it's pretty difficult to find somebody who's has enough respect of engineering from engineers based on either their knowledge of the market and clients or based on their background with technology to be able to confidently tell an engineer, I think you're wrong, here's why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while also walk up to a senior vice president uh, internally at IBM or externally at a, a client, because those are often some of the level of folks you're briefing, given the uh, at least the, the importance of our of IBM's portfolio, and say, oh, well, here, here's where we here's where we should be going um, and why, or Mr. Client, here's what you should do differently uh, versus uh, you know what you're doing now. I had to do that with uh, a large pharmaceutical drug distributor uh, when I was running. Uh, that initiate uh, portfolio I mentioned, where we had a nice, I had a nice back and forth with him about how accurate his ability was to correctly identify his uh, pharmaceutical patients, um, and explaining to him why his current approach uh, wasn't working and the ramifications thereof. And I think that's the other piece that um, is uh, is challenging uh, as part of the role because you have to translate the technology and its capabilities into real business impacts and outcomes uh, for uh, for clients, right? In the case that I mentioned, it wasn't until a couple of years after I'd been working at this company uh, that I was talking to my mother um, about the fact that we helped identify patients when they came into hospitals correctly. And she said, oh, that happened to me. 
<laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you know, as you know, Alex, my name is Mary Linda Bentley. Um, and when I came in for surgery that day, they wrote down M. Bentley and my birth date and my doctor and wheeled me back into the uh, the prep room and said, uh, the nurse came in and said, oh, hi, Linda. You go by Linda, right? She goes, yes, I do. She goes, oh, but your first name's Mary. Yes, it is. Um, well, we're here to operate on your left arm today. My mother said, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, no, you're M. Bentley, right? <laughs> yes. And this is your birthday. Yes. And this is your doctor. Yes. So left arm. No. <laughs> so that's a, you know, a, a very striking example. Um, but regardless of what the product is, it has an impact on somebody's lives and, and the, on the financial health of a particular company. Being able to translate what we're doing as, as offering managers and our products are helping clubs to do into that financial impact or business impact is really, in some ways, one of the most important things on the role. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, some of the things, rather, one thing that I would want to spend some time on with you is that you've been doing this role for a very long time now in, in some form or shape. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've run into a lot of product managers, both very junior to you, as well as people who are uh, same level senior to you. What are some things that you found or mistakes that you've seen a lot of product managers slash offering managers make uh, as they're trying to become better at what they do and grow in the mm-hmm. function. Yeah. That, that was kind of you to say what I've seen versus <laughs> the one that I made myself, but, 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 but I've seen those, um, yeah, a couple on the, on the, you know, challenging side, right. I had a, a scenario where I was working with um, a senior executive in our sales team um, and was talking about the capabilities of the product. And I kept kind of, not understanding why he could not grasp them on the phone call um, that I, that I was on. Um, and it, it turned out that he wasn't selling my product. <laughs> right. And I was like, why don't you understand what I'm saying? Oh, well actually after about, you know, 15 minutes, he realized it wasn't in his portfolio. I see. Um, oh. yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it seems kind of obvious, right? It would obviously only happen in a large company versus a small one, but, the idea is behind that is understanding somebody's motivations. Hmm. If you don't understand the incentive for the individuals you're talking to, both their professional and their personal incentives, you can really go sideways um, in conversations. Um, and when you understand those types of things, uh, it really facilitates uh, the you know, the progression of what you're both uh, you know trying to get to uh, on both sides. So. Uh, uh, just to clarify that point, I mean, I guess what you're saying is that if you're, if you're, whoever you're building your product for, you need to understand them really well. Mm-hmm. That, definitely true, um, and I think that's the the understand really well is true not only of your users as you're building your product, but also the broader stakeholder and community that you're working with, uh, because understanding uh, that a, a developer is usually swayed by. Uh, facts and figures, hmm. concrete information, whereas a sales individual and a marketing individual is usually swayed by broad pictures of strategy and how this is going to make them on the sales side often make the money, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, which is what they get. You know, on on the CEO side, it's about how it's going to help them uh, achieve growth for your product line right. in, in a lot of in a, a lot of situations. So recognizing the uh, the incentives that a uh, particular person or discipline has within your organization can go a long way towards um, 
accelerating whatever you're trying to do. That's a very good point. And also illustrates it just given how cross-functional the role is, that's probably very, very key to how successful you are as a product manager. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think the other couple of other, you know, observations, um, uh, one is the ability to say no. <laughs> hmm. um, and this was one that I was, you know, challenged with uh, early on as well during that failed startup. It wasn't why it failed, but uh, I would spend time going out to clients, um, one back and happened to be back in my home home state of Indiana. Uh, and they came up with a list of 10 different re- requests uh, that they wanted to see in this uh, at this uh, automotive supplier application I'm in an earlier, they needed a, a workflow capability to be able to have everybody engage when they were supposed to. They wanted to have a uh, Excel capability uh, that they could do things online and take some of their existing Excel spreadsheets and put them directly into the application. And I thought my job as a product manager was to say, okay, that's great. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. Right. Um, Get back to talk to engineering. You can probably see how the story ends, right? <laughs> didn't didn't go well from yeah. a delivery perspective. Um, but everybody else in the company uh, likes to say no. Um, development usually wants to say yes because uh, they want to be able to be seen as responsive. Sales obviously wants to say yes because they want to deliver things to clients to drive revenue. Um, you know, I sometimes say as a product manager, you are the land of no. Uh, because in some cases you're the person who's has to uh, has to give that answer that nobody wants to hear. So the ability to do that tactfully uh, in a way that helps people understand why you're saying no uh, is pretty valuable. Right, and that's probably hand in hand with your ability to prioritize. Then, so having very clear idea about what you're optimizing for, and then prioritizing ruthlessly accordingly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, and and that kind of goes back to your user point as well, right? Yeah. The focusing on the on what the user needs and how the uh, if, if the buyer is different, how the buyer actually is able to acquire the finding, acquire the solution uh, is two big places to, to focus. Right. Are there any aspects about this job that you do not like? I mean, it's clear that you love the job. There, you know, there's a lot of leadership and autonomy. You get to build amazing things. What are some things that you don't like? You know, the the uh, my inbox is probably uh, pretty full, right? So how many there how are, many emails do you get? Uh, I'm probably about 150. I would, <laughs> if I was for to guess, right? But wait, wait, um, but I should, I should put that in context. You are, I mean, you know, you're not like a entry level offering true. manager, yeah. right? So you probably get a lot of other emails also. But on an average, if if you were if you were to think of so- someone who has been doing offering management for let's say a few years, I, you don't have to give me a number of emails, but I guess you're saying that they'll be pretty busy. Yeah, you know, and, and it's busy from the perspective of um, all the questions are different, right? And so your ability to switch contexts hmm. as you go from meeting to meeting can be a challenge. Um, even as a product manager or an offering manager, you know, your time is often sliced. So you'll have a half hour meeting with development and then a half hour meeting with some sales guy, then a half hour meeting with marketing to talk about something. So uh, the ability to carve out time to make sure you can sit down and focus on things that aren't tactical uh, is a real challenge uh, as an offering manager. You know, my my secret is, and I've been doing this since I've been IBM, uh, I actually block my calendar on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of people ha- do that, like have a no meeting day. You can't have any meetings on that yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. Anything else you don't like about the job? You know, there's a lot of... Um, there is a lot of no, right? Which uh, you know is not always uh, not always fun. Uh, and depending upon 
whether you'd like to travel, uh, that can sometimes get uh, significant, um, especially depending on uh, if you're in an organization that's large, right? IBM's global in nature. So uh, as you move uh, into areas where you have more responsibility and your name becomes known, uh, there can often be demands on your time. But, you know, I've been to Nice, France in uh, eight days in Australia with a pop over to New Zealand and uh, time down to Sao Paulo, right? So that's, uh, it, there's, those are things that uh, are the yeah. benefits in addition to the challenges sometimes. Right, right, right. Generally, what is the travel for? Uh, it could be for a couple of things. Uh, one is client visits are the most uh, frequent. Sometimes there's conference vis- uh, conferences that folks will travel to, travel to. IBM has their own conference, and then there's industry conferences where uh, folks attend. And then certainly, you know, internal meetings uh, and presentations. Uh, you know, those three are the major uh, ones that drive a portion of time. So I'm sure you must have seen that product management has become a highly sought-after role in tech now, especially with the rise of tech. Uh, I think it's become one of those roles that, apart from engineering, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to do. But it's not a very easy role to break into. So what would be your advice to them? Uh, there's a couple of things there um, that come to mind. Uh, one is, uh, you know, understand the language and the lexicon uh, around product and offering management. My uh, a couple of my favorite bloggers are Rich Minerav, uh, writes writes a good one. Uh, Aha is the name of the company, and Intercom is the name of another company who have good blogs that are focused around uh, product and offering management. Uh, the most prevalent training is from a company called Pragmatic Marketing. And then there's, uh, you know, a few different books that, that come to mind for me. Uh, there's a series by Jeffrey Moore uh, that starts with Crossing the Chasm. Uh, Clayton Christensen's Innovator's Dilemma is a good uh, starting point. And then uh, uh, Eric Rees' uh, Lean Startup um, are you know, good examples of, of where you can just gain more knowledge about um how, how the uh, uh, process works. Mm-hmm. The other one is, uh, as you look at your past history, translate them into actual business results on uh, your resumes uh, if you're applying for roles. Uh, I see a lot of those that are, you know, person worked with marketing to, to uh, reposition portfolio and create uh, online web um, information about a product, right, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but as part of that story, it, you need to be able to measure it. Um, mm-hmm. And so translating whatever you've done into some form of outcome, be it cost savings or an increase in whatever it is you're trying to increase, uh, becomes really important. Um, and talking about uh, what you did versus what kind of the team did or the organization did uh, is often something I see as a, as a challenge as well. Yeah, I mean, being someone who I'm sure you interview a lot of people, what are the reasons, most common reasons, why you would ding someone for an offering management role? Uh, That last one is a big one. Uh, If you can't share what you did and the outcome that what you did was, uh, you know, created Mm -hmm. um, for the business, that's kind of a red flag. Because to me, that means when you get into the role, you won't be able to translate what the technology can do for clients um, or understand in some cases what users and buyers need given their, uh, you know, given their portfolio. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're almost sort of correlating the way you talk about yourself with the way you'll talk, you'll work on your product. 
And there's there that's what I've seen, right? Folks yeah. who have uh, who can't articulate what they've done have a challenge uh, moving into the role. Yeah. Um, certainly, depending upon the the role that you're moving into within a company or looking at, it is a combination of business and technical expertise. And so, if someone comes in who has a business background, you know, full MBA, uh, but doesn't have any technology background, one of the things I'm looking for is can this person engage an engineering team if it's a technical product? Can they talk to that technical user community? Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to talk about technology um, and showing an aptitude or interest in technology uh, through your actions, right? Have you gone out and taken some classes or have you, you know, what have you done to, to drive that uh, skill set? And the flip side, right? If you, if you did a um, uh, undergrad in computer science, um, you know, can you demonstrate that you understand and empathize with users? Can you, have you put together business cases or can you talk effectively about what a marketing funnel looks like? Because mm-hmm. if you go back to thinking to the whole premise of you're thinking like the GM of your business, those are all things that you may at some point pretty early in your, in your uh, job potentially need to investigate and explore and understand uh, as part of a large organization. Right. Yeah. And so I guess you're, you're testing for both sides, the business side and the technical side. If if you were to, you know, share, let's say, three to five skills or qualities that you think are absolutely critical to doing well as a product manager, what do you think they would be or, or an offering manager? Yeah. You know, the ones that come to mind, one is, is the ability to say no tactfully, right? Uh, the second one is the ability to, to motivate a team with data. Uh, you're often persuading people to do things that they're not hundred percent sure about. They're still, uh, they don't have an opinion on both at a executive level, um, and at, as a, you know, an individual contributor talking to an engineer as an example. Uh, so the ability to persuade, um, is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one, another one for me is, is being able to go deep into a particular area, right? Whatever, whether it be technology or, you know, Game of Thrones, <laughs> you know, knowledge, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the passion to actually get in and dig into a problem, right. uh, and, you know, uncover what the root cause is and then, you know, share that back with the group, um, the last one might be, uh, the, given where we are at IBM right now, is the ability to focus on users and understand what their, mm-hmm. you know, their problems are um, through interviews and through you know, conversations. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really, really good list. And are these the qualities then that you're also in some way looking for in applicants? That's right. Uh, you know, all, all of those things we've identified as characteristics of a lot of our most successful, um, you know, offering managers uh, that are beyond. Well, do you have technology background, and you know, do you have an MBA? Hmm. Uh, you know, that demonstrates business the, the likelihood for business skills. Right. right? Uh, the things I mentioned are certainly much softer skills, uh, but uh, of many of the disciplines within a company, I think offering management is one where. Um, those soft skills uh, either make or break someone's success and therefore often makes or breaks the, the broader offering uh, and team success. Right. Can you can you share an example of, you know, let's take any one of these qualities. Like how would I demonstrate this 
either either in my resume or in an interview setting so let's say you know being able to i don't know p- pick one that you like yeah and how would i demonstrate yeah. it yeah i mean the the, the, say, the the say no with tact right that one it's 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 about talking about a time as an example when uh, your boss comes to you with the fact that um, this happened to me um, when I was um, in, in my Hadoop role. Uh, my management manager came to me, uh, my actually executive VP came to me and said, "Hey, we've been selling this product for for X the last three years. I want to sell it for ten percent of X because mm. that's what I see happening in the marketplace, uh, and I want to make it up in volume, right?" <laughs> um, which on his face, I said, okay, sounds interesting. Let me go look at that, right? I did some analysis that said, well, to get to do that, uh, we need to hire at least 3x as many sales folks as we do now and double our digital marketing budget, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay, maybe we should rethink that, <laughs> right? So yeah. that's an example of, of kind of saying no um, in a way that causes the the team or the, in this case, the individual to, to rethink their position and, and begin to, uh, you know, look at things a little bit yeah. differently. So, you know, those types of, of examples, uh, you know, are, are where you uh, can demonstrate. Right. That, that's actually also a good example of what a good offering manager would do, because one thing I like to mm-hmm. ask is that, uh, you know, can you share examples of that show how a really exceptional offering manager stands out. So, you know, maybe there are a whole bunch of offering managers who are, you know, good, maybe not amazing, but good, who have all of these qualities, but someone who has really gone above and beyond. Is there something that you can share? You know, the, the, the piece that kind of all these things fall into play is, is the entrepreneurial nature of the role. Mm -hmm. Um, We had an offering manager who, you know, during the eclipse, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you yeah. recall as, as much as everybody else does, right? Um, a, a completely unexpected, uh, not unexpected, but certainly the unexpected impact on me when I when I saw it, mm-hmm. uh, even down here in Texas. Um, this individual uh, actually set up a website to sell solar eclipse glasses. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and, and sold about a hundred thousand dollars worth of them oh, wow, um, over the course good. of three months, right? So yeah. it wasn't something small. Yeah. Um, so the, those type of, of entrepreneurial type activities uh, where people have started up something themselves, regardless of maybe what that thing is, doesn't have to be an actual company, uh, is uh, usually the thing that can also indicate success. Because to do that, you get exposed to a lot of the things that we talked about, uh, and you are likely to have run into a need for the skills and the experiences that, uh, for example, the, the four that I mentioned. Right. Okay. All right. One one other important question for you is that, you know, let's say I am evalu I'm thinking that, okay, I think offering management sounds interesting and, but I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. Uh, so yes, you mm-hmm. know, maybe I can try and do an internship or something, but um, are there certain questions that I can answer or some things that I can think about, which, which can help me understand that, you know, I, I might actually enjoy this. I don't know if I'll be good at it, but I might enjoy it. Yeah, I think the, the 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 characteristics of the role are good indicators of whether you'd like to do it or not. If you like doing something different every day and having a very different thought process every day around a particular area and solving a diverse set of problems, offering management might be for you. 
versus you know development where every day you come in and mostly focus on releasing a product or marketing you come in every day and mostly focus on uh, you know how to uh, put together strategies and plans to increase market share and to gain mm-hmm. uh, the eyeballs of users and buyers right that's one thing that's that's different about the role yeah um, but I, I think I'm gonna push you on that a little bit because sure. um, Based on what you said, like if I think about management consulting, that will probably also fit in with that because you work on very different problems. You know, every few months you get to uh, mm-hmm. do a very different set of things. So can you can you share something a bit sure. more specific? Because I guess maybe something around you're getting to create something. So you, you need to mm-hmm. have some sort of a product sense, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, if you look at it from a kind of the functional discipline role, um, I, you know, it, it is about the ability to create something and it's the ability to push through all the obstacles, um, that allows that creation to get into market. Uh, because you, you do have to spend a lot of time, uh, working with users and understanding, uh, you know, what their needs are, uh, what the jobs to be done are. Um, if you don't know what that is, that's something else to look up mm-hmm. as part of exploring. If you want to be an offering manager, um, but you know, that that process of of kind of both create, creation of a product and the process of thinking like you're running your own business, uh, you know, those are the two pieces that are are really core to the success yeah. uh, of an offering and the two things that I kind of enjoy the most. So. Yep. All right. Very good. This is wonderful, Alex. Thank you so much. Is there any any advice you'd like to share with, um, well, you know, people who are early in their careers, they could be aspiring offering managers. Maybe, <laughs> sure. maybe they're not. Uh, but I, I think any, any career advice would be helpful. Yeah, I think, you know, in generally, uh, my observations are one, become an expert at something hmm. within the, the group that you're in, no matter how narrow it might be. In doing so, you become the person that a broader set of folks go to for that question. Uh, or for that area, uh, and that gives you a network, which is a, a critical thing to build in any, any role in any company, uh, and also will begin to expose you to additional adjacent areas that your expertise could could lean into. Um, you know, try to avoid a scenario uh, in which you seemingly are doing something that is not uh, not not resulting in you being viewed as uh, as an expert. So that's one of the things that I. Uh, started to do early in my career when it's actually the advice I got from uh, the CEO of my first company I worked for. So. Yeah, that is that is wonderful advice. Uh, I would like to end with just a question about your the associate offering manager program that you're running. So is that open to everyone or are you only looking for people who are, let's say, in school right now? Uh, it runs on a cycle with the uh, school year. Mm-hmm. So we usually bring in people in the winter uh, and really in January and February, and then again in June and July. Okay. Uh, doesn't have to be folks that are coming out of school, although I would say the majority of folks are either coming out of undergrad or coming out of, uh, of MBA. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it is a bit unique in what we've seen in the market because uh, we do have that six weeks of training where we uh, try to infuse everyone, not just with the information about offering management discipline at IBM, but since everybody is actually based and co-located during that six weeks, you build a valuable network across all the different people who then go to different business units with IBM, often at different locations. Uh, And so it creates a great starting off and jumping off point uh, 
uh, as folks begin their careers uh, at IBM. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to check out the program, uh, is there a URL you want to point them to? Yeah, I'll, sh- I'll shoot that along, but it's uh, ibm.biz slash AOM program. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and I can include the URL in the show notes also. Great. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. Really appreciate the time and have a good day. Hey, you too, Sonali. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover. Or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.